invite you to turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And if you don't have a Bible and would like a Bible, please come see me after the worship service, and I would love to give you a Bible. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented, and as Jesus, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the voice. Thank you for the Spirit that we read about in this story. Thank you for your son who is obedient to you and who leads us in our faith. And as we turn to your word, we pray that you would guide us and that you'd help us to hear your spirit, hear your voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, I want to look at this story and and ask the question, why did Jesus get baptized. Um, <clears throat> did he do it because that was supposed, that was what he was supposed to do? It's easy for particularly outsiders of Christianity to look in and think that Christianity primarily is, um, you know, a, a way of living that is organized by ritual and rules. And it is that appearance that makes some people claim, oh, I can never be a Christian with all of those rules. Uh, I have enough rules to follow. I got traffic rules to follow. My company has a dress code. I can only wear jeans on Friday. I don't need extra rules. I got homeowner's codes that I've got to follow. Um, I'm getting on a plane this afternoon. I'm flying to Michigan and, you know, If you have flown over the last year and a half, you know you wear a mask. And I saw printed, maybe for the first time, maybe it's been printed for a while, but yeah, you're on that plane and here's the rule. If you take a drink, you're in between sips of your drink and choose from your snacks, you've got to keep your mask on. All these rules that we have to follow. And some people think, I don't want to be caught up in all those rules of Christianity. Is that why Jesus was baptized? Because he was following the rules. He was doing what he was told to do. Um, I remember a member of my church uh, on the other side of Houston who came to me with his teenage son. Uh, His teenage son was kind of a quiet guy. And the father was trying to impress upon his son um, the importance of being baptized. And his, his son didn't want to get baptized, didn't want to get in front of the church and, and do baptism. Um, and, and his father told me, well, I keep telling him the reason to get baptized is because Jesus said that he was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. 
Um, we have to do it because Jesus did it. In other words, what the Father was telling his son, kind of like if it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you. Get baptized. And uh, is, that why, is that why Jesus was baptized? No. Jesus wasn't baptized because he was following the rules. I'm going to give you two important statements about baptism, about why Jesus was baptized, and neither of them are because he was following the rules. Uh, So the first thing I want to say is this. Jesus was baptized for our sake. The best way that um, I've understood Jesus' baptism, I think that we can understand Jesus' baptism, is this, that Jesus, when he was baptized, he was doing so as a representative for us. He wasn't baptized for himself. He was baptized for us. How does Jesus represent us in his baptism? Well, think about John's baptism. It was one of repentance. Uh, That means that the reason people came out to be baptized by John is because they were repenting um, from their sins. And John the Baptist called the crowds... A brood of vipers. You're a bunch of vipers, snakes. And likely there were some people there that identified completely with what John was saying and said, yeah, that's who I am. I'm a snake, and I, I need God's mercy. There likely were many people who said, well, that's a little bit harsh. Um, but I, uh, I have done some wrongs for sure. Maybe not viper-level wrongs, but yeah, I know that I'm... I'm a little bit uh, dirty in, in how I live. i got some sin, and I want to turn from that. But anyone who knew Jesus well that day would have thought, well, there definitely is one person who does not need to be here, and it's that guy right there pointing to Jesus. So here is how Jesus is our representative in his baptism. Jesus repents perfectly. For us. He's the only one who could do that. He's the only one whose repentance, whose turning to God is perfectly sincere and faithful. It's Jesus. He fully turns to God. He goes to be baptized because he wants to lead the way. Notice that Jesus doesn't turn away the other sinners who are there. He doesn't say, you know what John says, you're a brood of vipers, and I can tell that you're just a bunch of fakers being down here. Jesus doesn't do that. He doesn't doesn't turn people away in their repentance, even though he knows, okay, there's, there's there's some insincerity in their repentance. You know, we are like the guy who says to Jesus, um, I believe Jesus helped me in my unbelief. You know, I, I repent, Jesus helped me in my insincere repentance, the parts of me that I don't even know about that is, that's holding back in me fully turning to God. Um, and I think it's just wonderful that Jesus doesn't turn away the sinners. God knows that our hearts, even when we're trying to be as faithful as we can, there's some insincerity in us. He knows that there is a, still a mixture of disbelief and sin in us. Um, And so Jesus is the only one who can repent fully for us. He gets baptized so that we can all climb on his back and share in his repentance. We can 
we can participate in Jesus' baptism. Um, it takes a perfect person to heal us. That's what I want us to get at, to understand. It takes a perfect person to heal us. It takes someone outside of the system to rescue us. Say for a moment we are all on a rock climbing expedition and we are on a sheer cliff, the side of a cliff, maybe 500 feet above the ground, this little ledge, we're standing on this little ledge. We know the only way we can go is up, but there are no little cracks or crevices on the rock wall above us where we can't even get a finger in the wall. And then one of us says, that's okay, I've got a rope and I'm just going to throw it up there and we'll all climb up. Well, that would be all fine and good if it worked that way, right? If he could just throw up the rope and it would magically attach up there and we could all climb up. No, it takes someone outside of the system to throw a rope down to us, to rescue us, and that's Jesus, outside of the system. He's the one who's on top of the cliff who can throw down the rope to rescue us. So the second thing I want us to see in Jesus' baptism is that Jesus enters our darkness and rescues us. In his baptism. You know, sometimes it's easy to become blinded to the darkness in our world. And we start to see baptism as a nice ritual, something that uh, is worthy of a, a nice sentimental hallmark card. Oh, you got baptized. That's so nice. Um... For Christians today in our society, with our relative wealth and ease, it is very easy to spiritualize Jesus entering into the darkness of the world. Um, just spiritualize that and think, oh, he, 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 he entered into the world, the, to the darkness of our hearts, you know, to save us from, from the darkness, the spiritual darkness that we have. And not, not really caring about kind of the brokenness of the world around us, the societal um, darkness uh, the evil that happens when collectively um, broken people live out spiritual darkness in their hearts. But Jesus was very aware of the darkness in the world. I thought of something that Jesus said in his Sermon on the Mount. Um, it's in Matthew chapter 6, and it just shows how aware Jesus was of, of darkness. Not just not just kind of spiritual darkness, but how when that spiritual darkness is lived out, it's, it's just it's brokenness. It leads to a broken world. So Matthew chapter 6, is verses 22 and 23, Jesus says, If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are, you know, if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then he says, and if the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. Now, the best word, way to understand that word healthy is um, to understand it as single-mindedness, as opposed to being double-minded or having ulterior motives, selfish motives. The question is, how do you see yourself in relation to others? Do you see yourself as someone God has put here to, to give, to extend yourself for the benefit of others? It's the single-mindedness, I'm here to be a blessing to others? Or do you see yourself as, uh, or do you see 
others as a means to benefit yourself. That's that double-mindedness where, where selfish motives creep in. In other, you know, in other, word, in other places, that word healthy um, has been translated as, as generous or, or, or giving with liberality. Do you see yourself as someone who's here to be generous to others, to give of yourself for the benefit of others, or are your eyes unhealthy? The opposite of that is seeing others as people who ultimately you can use to benefit yourself, to take advantage of um, for your own benefit. Jesus says if you, if, if you see the world in that way, that, that others are here to serve you, your eyes are unhealthy, and your whole body will be full of darkness. And it won't be just in your mind or your heart, but you'll live it out. You'll contribute to societal darkness. And Jesus ends, remember, by saying, and if that light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And Jesus was aware of just the brokenness of the world, how the world is one big system and people are contributing to the darkness. And when people collectively contribute to that great darkness. You know, that, that's one of the ways that we can um, um, make sense of, of questions like, how did the Jewish Holocaust happen? How, how, how did that great evil happen? How does, the, how does the great evil of genocide happen? Well, it's, it's, it's people collectively adding to the societal brokenness of our world. Um. European and American slave trades and systems. How did that happen? Well, it's people just collectively leading to the brokenness of the world. I was looking at some statistics um, this week, um, just getting in tune with the brokenness of the world. Do you know the CDC? Um, this is not a COVID-related statistic. The CDC reported that over 625,000 Abortions were performed in the U.S. in the year 2019. Not in, not in the last decade, in one year, 625,000 abortions. That's, not a, that's, that's a CDC-reported um, statistic. Um, the, the, the ratio of abortions to live births, one in five. It's just brokenness. It's brokenness. You know, CDC reports, as it should the number of COVID-related deaths, um, over 800,000. We hear that readily, as we should. You don't hear 625,000 abortions, do you? It's a broken world. 1.2 million children are human trafficked every year. It's a broken world. Jesus sees this darkness, and his baptism is a moment where he enters in and says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to do something about it. Jesus' baptism was not some ceremonial baptism that would make you want to go out and buy him a congratulations on your baptism Hallmark card. It's him rolling up his sleeves and saying, now I'm going to do something about all this. So, if in Jesus' baptism, that's what it is, him rolling up his sleeves. then Jesus, in his baptism, was stepping into our darkness to rescue us. And I want to talk about how he rescues us. 
He rescues us by giving us everything we need. And I want to point out three things in the story where we see Jesus giving us everything we need to help combat the brokenness of the world, the darkness of the world. So in his baptism, let's talk about the first one. In his baptism, Jesus gives us everything we need for Christian security. Um, We are made right with God through Christ. And we have a churchy word for this, by the way. I'm going to go through three churchy words in the sermon. Uh, Justification is the word for that, of us being made right with God through Christ. Um, You know, in your baptism, if you were baptized, you you were sprinkled with water. And you can, or you were immersed with water, one of the two. Uh, you can do that all that you want with all the water that you want, and you will never uh, be able to make you clean spiritually. Um, you'll still be dirty. But Jesus repents for us in baptism, even though he didn't have a single thing to repent of. We climb on his back in his baptism. He carries us through that. As Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, many Christians uh, stop right there. They say, thank you very much, God. Thank you that uh, I have been made right with you through Jesus' sinless life and his baptism, his obedience to you. I've piggybacked with Christ. Thank you very much. And they stop right there. They realize, yes, Christ has made them right with God. They realize that they cannot do anything to add to their justification. And they don't think too much more about what Christ does for them in life now other than maybe answer some prayers for them. But but there is more that Christ does for us through his baptism than just justify us. Christ, second thing, Christ provides everything we need for our Christian maturity, our Christian growth. Growing as a Christian. Christian maturity is simply the process of Christian growth where your inner life becomes more Christ-like. And then your outward actions start flowing from that inner transformation that takes place. So we are made holy through Christ. Tricky word for that. Sanctification, the process of us being made holy. Now, how does someone become holy? Let me suggest that it's easy to say, well, I've got to try really hard at that. And we can treat Christian holiness like we treat our New Year's resolutions. What's your resolution? I'm going to lose 30 pounds. Well, how are you going to do that? I'm going to try really hard. You going to make it? I don't know. It was my resolution last year, and it didn't go too well. I started off good, then I started eating at Chili's, and that's, you know, that's how it went. I, you know, I tried really hard, but just not hard enough. We try that with our spirituality. What's your resolution? I'm going to read the Bible every day. How are you going to do it? I'm going to try really hard. (laughs) Um, And you see, we make our spirituality all about our, what we put into it, our effort. And I don't want to say that our effort isn't important. God never removes our effort from our Christian growth. If you never crack open your Bible... 
I think there's a really good chance. I think I can say pretty confidently that you're not going to be growing as a Christian. Um, God doesn't take effort out of the equation for Christian growth, but that's not how growth happens. Let's look at what happens in Jesus' baptism. Uh, Verse 16, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. That's quite a moment, isn't it? The way that Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell this, um, they want everyone to know that this is quite a moment with the Holy Spirit descending like a dove and alighting on Jesus. In fact, as Mark tells this story, Mark says that the heavens were ripped open at that moment. Just like the temple curtain was ripped apart at Jesus' crucifixion. That, that curtain of, that separated people from the presence of God that was in the inner part of the temple. And what's his point? That the heavens were ripped open while God is flooding in the world now. Jesus' baptism. It's this moment where God starts, floods his presence on Christ, floods his presence into the world. Baptism is a sign that the Holy Spirit has come and has made his home in you. And this, my friends, is entirely a work of Christ. It's a work that Christ accomplished in his baptism. Look at this scripture from Ezekiel chapter 36. Uh, The prophet Ezekiel um, speaks for God. God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will give you a new heart. You don't have to do that yourself. You don't have to change your heart. I will put a new heart in you. I will put a new spirit in you. I will do that. So Christian growth, your sanctification, how you are made holy doesn't happen because you've applied yourself really, really, really hard at reading the Bible. And so I'm just going to make a real go out of this this year. That's not how the, the growth happens. Christian growth will not happen without you reading in the scriptures and praying, but Christian growth cannot happen first without the Holy Spirit being in you and changing you from the inside out. It's a work of God. So baptism is our sign of the life that Jesus calls us to. Jesus, Jesus when he was baptized, it was his moment that initiated his public ministry. He's going to roll up his sleeves to fight against the evil of the world. And our baptism is a way of participating in Jesus' baptism, saying, okay, I want to, I want to do that. I want, to, I want to align myself with you, Lord. I want to be on your side. Um, baptism is our way um, of signaling, okay, I'm going to see each moment as a decision. Will I see myself in a generous way to the world, or will I see myself kind of in a selfish way to the world, where I'm hoping to receive from others more than I give to others, that I'm going to use others to benefit me primarily instead of me living to benefit others. And 
when you resolve to walk Jesus' way and fight against the darkness, he reassures us, you won't do that alone because I will put my Holy Spirit in you and help you grow, sanctify you. See how this works together? Now let's get on to the third thing that Jesus does for us in his baptism because there are times when we lack courage, when we lose heart. (laughs) Have you ever had a friend going through a hard time and you thought, boy, he really needs Jesus. Boy, he really needs Jesus. Uh, God, why don't you speak to my friend because he really needs you? And God says, well, how about you speak to him? Tell him about your faith in me. Tell him what I have done for you. I mean, have you ever have you ever thought that and got nervous at that? Yeah, I guess I, I guess I need to do that. I guess I need to, I guess I need to open up and talk about my faith in Christ. And got a little nervous in doing that. Have you ever had to take a stand for something, and you knew that others didn't share the same conviction that you do? You get a little nervous thinking about that. Um, I remember some time ago, a woman at my church saying, I think God wants me to start a Bible study at my office. That's great. How can I help you? Well, with everything, because I really have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) Okay, well, let's talk about some ideas. We talked about some ideas. But ultimately, she had to pull the trigger and invite her friends to this Bible study that she started, and give it a go. Sooner or later, you have to give it a go. And sometimes that requires courage. So Jesus' baptism was him saying, I'm going to give it a go. And we have a lot of confidence in Christ when he rolls up his sleeves, his sleeves and says, I'm going to give it a go. Um, start his public ministry. What does his baptism have to do about us rolling up our sleeves and giving it a go? Let's look at verse 17 in this story. Jesus was baptized. A voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So this leads us to the third way that Christ gives us everything we need. Jesus gives us everything we need for a Christian identity. We are made glorious through Christ. That is our glorification. We're made glorious through Christ. I want you to remember what the Apostle Paul writes. um, We read it in Romans chapter 8, where Paul starts stringing together um, the Christian life. Those that God has called, he also justified. We're justified through Christ. Those he justified in Christ, he also glorified. Because of Jesus' baptism and how he represents us in our baptism, you can know that you're glorified, that, that God sees you as his son or as his daughter. Have, have you ever had performance anxiety? Of course you have. I'm not talking about just stage performance anxiety. Um, Maybe you've been asked to give a big presentation at work, 
and you get nervous going into that. Or you have a big test at school. It's time to put all your studying to hard work or to plead for mercy if all the studying hadn't been there, you know. Uh, Maybe you're auditioning for some part in a play or you're trying out for a sports team. You're writing an essay, an admission essay to to a real prestigious university or college or you're performing a solo, stage presence, stage performance. And you thought, oh, I've got a little bit riding on this, don't I? And, and you felt the pressure. Of course you felt that. So what if right before you start the audition, or you take that test, or you give that presentation, or you write that essay, What if the most important person in your life, maybe a parent, maybe a spouse, but but the most important person in your life comes to you and says, you know what, no matter how this goes, no matter how this turns out, I want you to know how proud I am of you and how much I love you. And when all of this is over, no matter win or lose, pass or fail, success or flop, I'm cheering you on. And afterwards, we're having a big party. I've got all the decorations and your favorite appetizers, you know, the, the jalapeno poppers with the bacon and the, and the cream cheese all fried up. I've got that. I've got a big cake. And we're going to celebrate, no matter how this turns out. Why? Well, because I think you're pretty fantastic. <laughs> now, go out there and give it a go. That changes. That changes things for me. That changes things. That changes how I feel going into that performance or that solo or that test. If I know the person, the most important person to me is cheering me on and says, win or lose. Oh, I love you, and we're going to celebrate. This is a bit just a little bit of what it is like when God looks at you and says, this is my son, this is my daughter, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. And I'm calling you to rise up out of the waters and to look for ways to fight against the darkness. And you may feel like, I can't do it. But God says, I want you to know I'm cheering you on. (laughs) Get out there and give it a go. God glorifies us. God's glorification of us is the delight that God has in us, not because of the success of what we have done for Christ, but rather because of the success of what Christ has done for us. And so you can go out there and give it a go and not have to worry about success or failure, how it goes. Just get out there and give it a go. So baptism, you see, is so much more about what God has done in Christ, making us right with God, making us holy, making us beautiful and glorious in God's sight. Like we sang before, but I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him. He's going to be faithful to me. He's going to be faithful to me. 
He's given me His Spirit. He's made me right with Him. He sees me as His beautiful, beloved child. And I know He is faithful to keep that which I've committed to Him against that day or until that day. So remember Jesus' baptism and what He did for us. Remember His Spirit in you. Remember your baptism. You've said, Jesus, I'm on your team. I'm on your team to fight against the darkness. And then roll up your sleeves. Get out there. Give it a go. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for allowing us to ride on your shoulders, your back, however we want to visualize that. You being baptized perfectly for us and uh, us climbing on and enjoying your, your favor, enjoying our relationship that has been made right with God through you, being blessed by your Holy Spirit that is in us. And then hearing this call to go out and to, to fight against the darkness of the world. And Lord, help us to be aware of the darkness that is around us, even when we can't quite see it, to know that it's there and know that how we engage with others in this life is so important. Help us to do that courageously. Show courageous love. Um, speak for what is right to turn away from what is wrong and to live for you. We know that we're not worthy of doing that. We know that by ourselves we are not able to do that. We know that we are broken ourselves. But we know that through Christ um, we can come to you and to walk in this relationship and to receive forgiveness, and to be healed, and then to be used in a very significant way to bring your light into this world. Help us to do that this week even, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.